Now you, hey, you now you notice I changed my shirt. Well. <laughs> so now everybody knows. I I wear the same thing <laughs> all the time. Huh. <laughs> I should leave that in there. Uh, anyway. No, it's still recording. I'm going to, uh, yeah, why don't you sing the Marshall Clark song? And Marshall Clark, oh, that's it. <laughs> Good times. Good times. All right. I'm going to give a wave so that I can see when I'm editing. Hey Husky fans, welcome to Sports Illustrated's Husky Maven channel. I'm Caitlin and with me is always the amazing, most of the time, Mike Martin. Mike. <laughs> wow, the qualifier, most of the time, sometimes. <laughs> By the end of the season, you're going to be like, Mike Martin was amazing at one time. At one time, back, back in the day when I walked uphill to school both ways in the snow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting straight to it, such exciting news. It is finally the NFL draft. And it seems like we were just having this conversation, Mike, but it was about a year ago now we were talking about Byron Murphy and Jake Browning, Mouse Gaskin. This time it's a little and bit Caleb of a Caleb McGarry. And Caleb McGarry, going first round, Atlanta Falcons got traded up for that. Can never forget that one great times there but it's a little bit different story this time because I think we went into the draft last season with not really higher expectations but there was never really uncertainty that maybe a Husky was going to go the first round that's not really the case this year and I think it's good to start off with Jacob Beeson somebody who came into the season projected to be a first round now it's not looking projected like it. to be a top 10 pick I mean his his um his stock fell faster than the hair off the top of my head. Which is very rapid, in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> I've got jokes for days today. But Jacob Eason, like you mentioned, was supposed to be a top 10. I don't think he's going to go in the first round anymore. And is that just because he didn't really have a good season at UW? He kind of left a little earlier, but let's not forget that the NFL went through so many quarterback changes with the 32 teams, and he's about the sixth quarterback sitting there right now on the draft board. Well, so and a couple, yeah, a couple of things may have led to this fall. Um, he has a top 10 arm, probably when he goes into the NFL, a top 10 in the NFL arm. But he, he, he gets a little bit antsy in the pocket, and that's kind of uh, been the knock. And because of the coronavirus, they had to go off of his pro day, not pro day, but his combine workout, which wasn't spectacular. And so some of the negativities, ne he was never really able to, uh, to lay them to rest. With a pro day, he put out a pro video, but he was never able to answer some of those things uh, with a face-to-face -face meeting with a lot of the teams or things like that, that that kind of, you know, answer questions. And so, you know, his fall um, 
there could also be the factor of somebody is talking him down so that they can steal him before somebody that actually really wants him. So, you know, there, there are a lot of factors in play. We see it all the time. I think that when all is said and done, he's going to go early in the second round to somebody. And kind of like you mentioned, he does have that strong arm, that big, tall build that is a good NFL quarterback build, let's be honest. It's just, I don't really think he had the stats to really back everything up and give him that extra over-the-edge advantage that he might have against other quarterbacks. You say early second, I'm going to go mid-later second to early third, just because, again, quarterback's not the number one need this season in the NFL, even though that's going to be the very first pick for the Bengals. So, I don't know. Well, I, I, I bet I'm going to Frappuccino with you that he goes later than that. <laughs> Okay. Well, the the thing is, is that I think that with a lot of the negativity that was around uh, Husky Nation because they, they lost late in games, those were a lot of defensive losses. The, the, the defense was tired by the end of games because they were young. They weren't used to having to play that many minutes. But if you look at Jacob Eason, he actually had, I think, a top five statistical season one of the top five statistical yardage seasons for uh for washington so it's not all bad there's a lot of of things and and i think that somebody is going to take a shot and say this is a guy that we can groom to take over in three years and i think it's the best thing for him that he falls because he can sit behind somebody and really be groomed to take over that spot. I personally think it will have to be a very disciplined team just to kind of really work on those overthrows and then the two hard thrown balls. If he really wants to take the time to follow a quarterback, you know, just say, say Tom Brady was still the Patriots. If he wanted to follow him and kind of learn from him, it'd be a great system. He just really needs to go to the right one. Next person I think we should really talk about and going to the right system is Trey Adams, somebody who was projected last season to be an All-American, a high first-round draft pick, is now some some teams are even questioning if he's going to be drafted because he's injury-prone. He had a horrible combine. There's no way to sugarcoat that. He had the worst 40, the worst vertical, and the worst broad jump out of every single person there not having that pro day like you mentioned that really hurts his draft stock yeah and and i i really would like to get rid of the injury prone i know you're using what others have said he had two injuries back to back one that was related to not stretching properly after uh the the knee injury and we i called it on the show i said i wouldn't be surprised to see him come up with a back injury two days later uh he came up with it and that's the, the one thing that i don't think that he's injury prone he just had back-to-back -back injuries that really hampered him uh he was a first team all pack 12 uh lineman uh he has the frame that the nfl likes there's going to be somebody that likes him that is going to take him and say, you know, sit behind this guy, get healthy, and then we'll bring you uh, in a couple of years. I think, he, again, 
He's a guy that that is going to be in the Jacob Sermon sort of draft profile where he's not a guy that they want to insert immediately. So they're not going to invest the first round, second round uh, draft money uh, to, to really kind of pay him. And so they're going to want to have somebody that's maybe a little bit higher risk uh, uh, and get him a little bit later in the draft. That's a good point as, you know, kind of gambling with him rolling the dice, hoping that he does stay healthy and can follow somebody's footsteps. I know you meant Jacob Eason when you meant Jacob Sermon. And if Trey Adams is listening to you calling his back injury, I am so glad I'm not you right now because he's coming after you. It, you know, having having had the same thing happen to me, I, I kind of knew what was going to happen because if you after if if you if you don't do all the stretching that you're normally doing for that type of a position, it can really um, uh, have an effect on other parts of your body. But anyway, let's move along to maybe Nick Harris because he's a guy that um, when he came in. Everybody thought that he was going to be Luke Wattenberg's plus one. And he actually turns out to be an all American. Uh, <laughs> so, so it's the, this guy's story is great. Whoever gets him is getting a guy that is going to work harder than anybody else on the team. He's going to, again, go to the next level, have all those doubters, and then he's going to prove them wrong again he's a guy that husky nation just absolutely fell in love with because there he is uh starting against alabama in 2016 in the playoffs when as a true freshman when everybody was like okay this is going to be uh you know he's gonna be the backup to the walk-on center um and, and all he did was just go out there and prove that Chris Peterson's evaluation system uh, will pay dividends. He had probably one of the best combines from the Huskies who were invited. He, he fared very, very, very well in it. And he had a pretty good senior game as well. So definitely proving that he doesn't just work well in his system. He can work well in others. He's doing good at the drills and training. He bench pressed like a mofo. And then I hope that he has a video of him getting drafted because he will do his little, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I mean, how can you not love that kid? The only really thing is that he's just a little bit on the shorter side as a center. How much difference does it make? Maybe not too much because he does a great job at blocking anyway, but I would say that's probably the only concern that you really see consensus across the board with all scouts. Well, and the thing that he learned at Washington was to use uh, that what most people would consider to be a mismatch to his advantage, where he can get under the pads and stand guys up quicker than somebody that might be two, three, four inches taller. Um, you know, he's going to slide down in the draft only because there are a limited number of teams that are going to be willing to invest in a center. It's not like your blindside guy. So that's why he is going to slide down. It's not that he's not a first round caliber person, first round caliber work ethic. It's just that um, 
he's a, because of his six one six two size, he is pigeonholed uh, to to center, and so it's going to, again like we talked about with uh, Eason and with Trey Adams. It is going to be the team that finds him as the right fit for that organization. I would say he probably goes around the late third, early to mid fourth. He, like you kind of said, falls right in between there. He's not going to be a late, late pick on the third day, but no, he's not going to be. Like you said, his only measurable is right here, okay, on the top of his head. Did the yeah, top of his head too. push that? <laughs> but did, did the top of his head push the lever up just a little bit, a little bit like everyone else? No. Um, but I think NFL uh, scouts will look at the at the sort of advanced metric type of things of how quickly he gets off of his block, um, how he drives his guys, how long he's able to stay engaged, and that he had one of the uh, best sack to participation ratios in the country. He is an outstanding center, and he will be in the NFL guaranteed. The last Husky that's actually projected to be drafted is tight end Hunter Bryant, somebody who is a little bit mixed on whether he had a good combine or whether he didn't. He had a very slow 40, which how important is that as a tight end? Maybe not too much. It was a 474, but because Hunter Bryant is not necessarily a blocking tight end, actually struggled a little bit with those sleds in the combine in terms of the blocking drills, but he's kind of really utilized as a receiver. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how and what team takes him and how they want to utilize him. Yes. Again, he's, he's a guy that I think that um, I, I think that, and this is hard for me to say, I think he was um, maybe a little bit misused uh, as as a tight end. I would have liked to see him go out and be that true number one receiver that makes all of the other receivers down the line better and make teams concentrate on him. Have him slim down, get to about 225, where he can uh, be a lot faster at 225, get down to that 4-6 range. I would have really liked to have seen that. And I think that, again, the problem with the coronavirus is his pro day, what he was never able to drop those pounds and show what he can do. And so, you know, again, he's one of those guys, the, the, the NFL loves Huskies because they're the best coaches, kids on the block. When they go in there, they, they slide in to the NFL system so well. So we're going to have to see really what team falls in love with him. I really like that you pointed that out. And, and I think film, for example, really, because he didn't have the best senior season. Let's, let's be honest about that. Or not, not, not senior season, his junior season, redshirt season, however you really want to call season. it. <laughs> but his final And you had mentioned before only having one or two drop passes the season before to all of a sudden, well, more than double that now. And I think because of how he, how he is and what he's actually done for the program and the kind of yardage that he had, he was the leading receiver for the Huskies this last season. I think that's why he is ranked in the top five tight ends on the draft board right now, which, you know, does that mean he goes early? Does it mean he goes late? Who knows? 
and and the the thing uh, about Hunter Bryant and this kind of harkens to our topic about Eason throwing the uh, heavy ball, as the NFL puts it. Um, going into his his final season, he had one drop as a receiver, and uh, this past season he had eight or nine drops. And that says a lot about the delivery because Hunter Bryden in his final season didn't suddenly forget how to catch a ball. Um, I think that comes from uh, a heavy ball being thrown. I, I honestly like that. He didn't forget how to catch a ball. Kind of moving over to the undrafted or the projected to be undrafted. We're really going to talk about only a couple or two or three in detail before we really talk about the minute broad scheme, but Aaron Fuller, is it surprising to you that he is projected to go undrafted considering he had probably the best hands in that combine in the receiver room? I think that again, and this kind of goes with, it's really hard for me to say because I, I, I love everything that coach Pete did for Washington, but Aaron Fuller would have really benefited from not being Washington's number one receiver. He could make those difficult catches uh, diving at the goal line and making those catches one-handed. And we saw him do it so many times, but when he was the number one receiver, he would get shut down. And that's where I think he's going to have to go to a team as a uh, as a possession receiver, not the number one guy. He's not going to uh, blow away your defensive backs. He's going to get taken down uh, easier by a linebacker. But he's going there. There's going to be a team that is going to fall in love with his work ethic um, and fall in love with, with with that. He's just he has some elite pass catching ability, like you pointed out. And I think you did a really good job of kind of talking about those outstanding catches. But then there is also the so many drops. Again, kind of like we're going back to who's to blame, who's not to blame. It's so difficult sometimes. And I think that's kind of, in my mind, I use the word inconsistent in thinking of Aaron Fuller, just to be completely bluntly honest, and to why he may be projected to go undrafted. I think he might go in the seventh round, maybe even an undrafted free agent. But he'll be in the NFL, guaranteed. I think he's going to uh, latch on. It may take him um, a year to work his way off of the practice squad. But I, I think you're right. Um, and it's too bad that coronavirus killed off the XFL because, you know, there are guys like that that could use an offseason to really hone their skills and get used to more elite competition. And I think that's where Aaron Fuller would really benefit. Um, but I think that he will find a way to earn a paycheck in the NFL. Yeah, so many kids were going from that XFL. I think that, again, Aaron Fuller would have done very, very well there, especially because the kind of plays that Coach Pete liked to run, you know, kind of the double passes. And that's legal in the XFL. You know, you can have two forward passes. So I think he definitely could have done really well there, really well there as well. Another really surprising one, kind of. I don't know if it's really surprising or not, just because it's If you such say Savon Ahmed, if, <laughs> were you going to go Savon Ahmed? Because oh, I can't my. believe, I cannot believe that we're now on to talking about like the sixth player, and we're now just talking about 
uh, another thousand yard rusher at Washington. It's just such a competitive running back room in the draft this season. It, and maybe that could have benefited Savannah to stay an extra year for that reason alone. Who knows? And it's the way I kind of like to put it in perspective is Miles Gaskin barely got drafted, right? And Savon, I, I don't think there are even levels by all means, but I mean, it's just surprising that they don't even have him projected to go anywhere, even late rounds. Well, and, and I think that that is, again, the coronavirus impact on uh, the NFL combine versus not having a pro day. He could not improve what was a head-scratching uh, 40 time when you saw him pulling away from USC defensive backs. You knew that that wasn't his actual 40 time, that something happened along the way that maybe he wasn't healthy, maybe he this or that. But to get back into uh, Dempsey to really work on his 40, I think that really would have, would have benefited him in this NFL draft. Honestly, NFL scouts today, if you run a 462, it doesn't look good. And like you said, you know, Savon was 80 yards down the field in the snow in Pullman. He was gone down in Corvallis when they just played Oregon State this last year. He can make those runs. So like you're saying, it's such a head scratcher. And that's why I'm so confused. Does he get drafted? Does he not? It's ultimately going to come down to which team decides they kind of need a running back to sit back for a couple years and then roll the dice on him. Now, were you referring to Miles Gaskin, um, Applecut, Kerry, um, when he slid on his back into the end zone? Or yep. are we talking? Yeah. Yes, I am. My Vaughn did have a good you Savon did have a nice carry, couldn't get in the end zone, but I'm rather embarrassed for you. I am, I'm actually embarrassed for myself too, which is why <laughs> I videos, because you can see my face turning red about it. I'm just still living in that apple cup right now. But no, Savon did have an amazing carry against Oregon State and Corvallis, though, that looked just like Miles Gaskin's run in the apple cup because it was just catch and gone. Yeah, and he had that, um, I think it was a 90-plus or 89-yard run against USC where he just pulled away from everybody. And USC doesn't recruit slow guys. These are all four- and five-star elite defensive backs that he smoked. So you know that that combine uh, 40, uh, something happened. That's not representative of who he is. Exactly. And I think another person to really touch on before we kind of just broadly talk about the rest, an undrafted one who is, I think, the biggest head scratcher of them all, more than Savon, more than anybody else, is Miles Bryant, somebody that they are projecting to not get drafted, which is absurd considering Washington produces DBs. I can't, I, it'd be interesting for you to look up the last time a DB didn't get drafted from Washington in the NFL draft. Yeah, every year they've been uh, going out in waves of three. Um, and then, Kent, is it Keith Taylor? No, not Keith Taylor. Who's the other one that's in the, the draft for Washington? Two DBs are draft eligible. Uh, well, there's Brandon McKinney as a safety. McKinney, yeah, the defensive backs. But, yeah, McKinney, uh, he has a lot of good measurables uh, that the – and if somebody, you know, again – 
wasn't able to go to do a pro day. So, you know, somebody is going to, they're only able to base his things upon height, weight, and speed, and really not the heart and getting to know this guy. Um, and yeah, Miles Bryant, again, a guy that comes on as, on a, as a walk-on, wants nothing more than to play for Jimmy Lake. And, you know, earns a scholarship. Earns a scholarship and then um, this coronavirus, you know, just kind of is, is playing against him. But I think that's when Miles Bryant is at his best, when he has a chip on his shoulder and something to prove. Um, so, you know, it's his chance to earn, earn a paycheck and to uh, pay back his parents for the, the belief of him. He could have taken a, a, a scholarship somewhere else, but he chose to pay his way. And now he has a chance to pay back his parents. And so, you know, this is going to be a great opportunity for, for him if he isn't drafted to really go out there and make a case for himself. And honestly, whoever gets him, because I think he's underrated, would be getting a steal of a player. You ha the NFL has to know that Washington continues to churn out DBs. Kevin King, Buddha's a safety, you know, Byron Murphy, Sidney Jones. You could go on with You left out Rapp? Again, Taylor Rapp. There's two – BBK, who's with the Seahawks. There's so many to talk about. And at that point, you know – why would Washington continue to do anything different with one specific person? You know he's somebody that you can count on, and I think that's why he and, might get he, he might get drafted. And and again, he is Buda Baker's size. Okay, so that was a Pro Bowler his rookie season for yeah, the Cardinals. So so somebody you know somebody along the way when they get this guy into camp, they're going to go. How do we not draft this guy? Or actually, they're going to go, well, I'm glad we didn't draft him because now we got a, a steal for free almost. So, yeah. um, you know, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun thing to watch this class because there, so many of them are going to have so much to prove. Thank you, coronavirus. And to wrap up the kind of last little bit of projected undrafted Huskies, Benning Potawati, one's a little surprising just because I, I thought he was pretty stellar for the dogs as a senior. And he came in a four-star kid. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's a guy that, that I think a lot of people expected to have a higher ceiling. But he was one of those guys. Is he a, a Russian? Is he a defensive end? Is he a, uh, a three-tech, a four-tech guy. He plays so many places that when he gets into the NFL, they may say, hey, we want you to add 10 pounds and become a run stuffer, and he'll do it, and he's, he's going to make somebody very happy in the NFL. If given the opportunity, I definitely think he can, whether it's starting on special teams as a practice squad, who knows, he can perform, and like you said, he's such a hybrid player. They would be getting kind of, again, like with Miles Bryant, a steal. We kind of touched on Brandon McKinney. I don't really know if we saw too much out of him just because he followed some big footsteps that were very hard to follow. You know, kind of like we mentioned, Taylor Rapp, Buddha, all those other players. So, you know, does he get drafted? I honestly don't think so. 
yeah, ask Jordan Miller how um, how much we can trust your word. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We all we all thought that uh, Jordan Miller wasn't going to get drafted. Hi, Buffy. Um, if this happens again, I'm I'm done. <laughs> Buffy's going to call me up at like midnight the second he gets drafted, and I'm going to get an earful about it. Remember when you said that about Jordan? Yeah, I know. But hey, it worked out. Last time I said it, he runs with the well, Falcons now. Well, and and that and that's the thing that that the NFL trusts Jimmy Lake, and you can bet that when an NFL GM calls up and they ask Jimmy Lake what kind of a guy is Miles Bryant? He's going to tell him he's the first guy in the film room. He's the last kid to leave the field. And, you know, that that's the type of, of advocate that it probably will take to get somebody to really fall in love with Miles Bryant this year and Brandon McKinney. And then another one who is a little bit interesting, Joel Whitford. You know, teams kind of are always looking for – some kickers and he's got a leg on him that's for sure but you know does Joe Whitford get drafted maybe not maybe an undrafted free agent though probably not but everybody loves an Aussie kicker these days so uh we'll see <laughs> we'll see if he winds up somewhere he can do all the kicks he can he can boom it he can uh squib it he can do um do a lot of different types of kicks that I think the NFL is we're going to see more of that uh, more than ever uh, in the in the coming years. So I think that as the NFL sort of adopts the the college different type of kicking, he's done it all for Washington at, at a high level. So I think I think we may see him latch on somewhere as well. Yeah, I'm honestly going to miss Joel Whitford. I'm not going to lie. But the final Husky is Andre Bocelli. I'm not sure what to think of this one. I think he kind of had his up and down years. It was never a flat line or, you know, kind of a high arch for him. But I don't know. Like, I could see him doing well. But at the same time, I don't know if I'm going to be surprised. If, if Aaron Fuller doesn't get drafted, Andre's not. Yeah. I, I, Bocelli has the speed. Um, I, I think he is a – is going to need to bulk up. He may be, um, if they try to resurrect the XFL, um, they'll probably be home from there. I definitely agree with you on that one. Maybe even the CFL. Who knows? That's but true. Putting you on the spot, who is the first Husky taken? Jake Beeson. Okay, that's kind of an easy one, but no, with, yeah, I with give it to the, you. With the 33rd pick. I don't know who has it, but that's my let's bet a milk frappuccino on it. Over. I take the over. If it's 33 and under, you win. If, I, if it's 34 and over, I win. Deal. Okay. Deal. Deal. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Gonna owe you like 11 after this <laughs> <laughs> all right good stuff yeah that was amazing stuff and we will definitely have a recap for you of, of this draft after it is all said and done and we know where the huskies will call their new home and which ones will look forward to either the xfl cfl or maybe doing something else you never know 
And Mike also has an amazing article coming out on a new Husky commit for the class of 2021. So don't forget to check out that article on si.com slash college slash Washington. Constantly turning out great content all day long. And until next time, I'm Kayla Olin. He's Mike Martin. Go dogs. Go dogs. Okay. Stop that recording.